is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, your host, Brandon. Join my co host, Nick and Dan. In general, we've got FA Cup semi final match review against Crystal Palace to be going at today. So, uh, a bit of an excited day, Dan, because we had two FA Cup semi finals at Wembley. Well, well, two FA Cup semifinals, <laughs> uh, and we've booked two tickets to Wembley, I should say. There for you go. FA That's Cup what's final. happening. That is what's happening. The men and the women reign supreme on the day and advance to the final at Wembley for a double FA Cup final weekend, Nick. It is epic. Yeah. Today could have gone uh, three ways, right? Both teams make it. Both teams don't make it. Some sort of split. And because we're the best, we we made it. We're in both finals again. Last year, Champions League final. This year, FA Cup final. Not bad. Yeah, uh, definitely uh, bummed the youth couldn't get us the trifecta. But that's a whole other thing that's happening on Patreon with Phil and I at Chelsea Youth. But wasn't, anyways, we've got... Wasn't particularly mm, close with them either. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they got semifinals and got smacked around by Nottingham Forest. So, yeah. uh, anyways, brought Tweeds in uh, to join us for this one. So, welcome back, Mr. Joe Tweeds. Yeah, no, uh, delighted to be here this evening. It's uh, it's a good evening, I think, to be here. So, yeah, uh, as you say, two two victories, two FA Cup finals, a good little trophy. Seventeen gin and tonics later. <laughs> Would five, you say? At least at least five hundred gin and tonics later. Yes, I'm I'm semi I'm semi lucid. So yeah, let, let let's get this off. No, this will be good. I mean, it's a celebratory day, and we sure most of our listeners. Uh, listening to this on Monday, are probably feeling it a little bit as well. Uh, so uh, as we get into it, we're going to be talking about Tuchel, the tactician supreme. That's right, Craig Burley, you donkey hat. Uh, he actually knows what he's doing. Lacabum shines bright and looking ahead to the final because that's what winners do. Am I right? So Dan, hit us up with a three-word match review. Tell us what everyone is feeling. How are they doing? Well, Paul Canneville, King Canners himself participating in the three-word match reviews with the We Are Chelsea blue heart emoji. Ba-ba-da-ba-ba-ba-ba. You had Frankie with the <laughs> La Cabum cooking, a little gif as well to go with it. Mm. Uh, Shantae with Trims the Difference. In re- yeah, good good fades, good haircuts. And, Those are just uh, yeah, very true. Grizz with the Fuck Your Quadruple. <laughs> yeah. Quite wonderful. <laughs> yep, yep. And then, a lot of love for Ruben, Mr. Thurman, with the RLC is risen. You had Keith with the cheek Jeez. on fleek. Nicholas, uh, Nicholas with the Ruben Loftus sheesh. Yes. Timo with the cheeky from Cobham. RJ with the Wembley, Chelsea's place. You had Mick with the both in final because the women and the men are advancing to the final. And then Johnny, who unfortunately lost his father to um, just kind of a prolonged health battle, uh, said perfect for Derek, which was uh, kind of a celebratory moment in a terrible time for him and his family. All right. Um, over to the crew. Uh, Nick, what about you? What did you have for your three-word match review? I hope it's really good. <laughs> oh, I, I just can't wait for yours, personally. Uh, you've changed it two or three times now. Trying to find the right fit, perhaps. Waiting for you. Timer's running. All right, fine. Mounting trophy lift. Mason mount, mounting, get it, bam, in your face. All right, Dan, what about you? Cobham is inevitable. Bing. All right, yeah, tweets. basically snapped the league in half. Yeah, yeah I, I went with Ruben Loftus-Cheek. 
cheek. <laughs> with, with emphasis on the cheek, yeah. I thought it was a phenomenal second half for him. So, yeah, I thought I'd give him a shout-out. Yes. And I went Wembley's blue, the men being there five out of the last six years and now doubling up with the men's and women's FA Cup final. Uh, there's really no other argument, the fact that Chelsea own the FA Cup. We just need to win a few more. I think we've mm-hmm. lost this final way yeah. too many times. So, uh, time to turn that around, especially... Tuchel needs a trophy this season, so this is it. Uh, some gratitude, Dan, before we jump into everything. Some people are doing things to help us, and we want to say thank you. Well, yeah. I, I mean, look, we, we made the challenge when the boxer dog. We wanted to see the photo of the dog. We have. And we not only it. was it a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, now member of Patreon as well, too. So thank you for that. Uh, don't forget, if you sign up on Patreon, you get uh, wonderful access to our Chelsea Discord community that we have. But also uh, the SW6-ish, which we have Joe and Jesse giving breakdowns of the men's and women's matches uh, very close after uh, the final whistle for them. Uh, we got weekly updates from Phil as well. We got mailbags and stuff. So it's really, really great. Hey, on Apple Podcasts, JB East 3 and J55000 from the UK, uh, both leaving wonderful five star reviews. We super appreciate that. Great way to help people find our show, which is helpful. And then, hey, we've cracked 900 on Spotify, yeah, 4.9 on 911 reviews. And now the march goes on to 1,000. Look. Very easy to do with the amount of people listening to the show. So, uh, you know, just your help is appreciated. Thank you. Road to 1,000. Uh, we have more reviews than than many uh, podcasts that you may deem to be larger than ours. And we're crushing some of them uh, into oblivion. So, <laughs> well, many, many people are you. saying this, Nick. Many people, many are, people saying are saying that we're the best. We are. And thank you for all your work on the reviews. Brandon. Puff. <laughs> Zoom piece. Brandon's of been frozen now, I think. Yeah. <laughs> this is where Jake leaves it in. Jake, yeah, Jake say, just yeah, leaves this part in. So anyway, we have, we have match details, guys. Uh, look, our opponent was Crystal <laughs> Palace. It was this past Sunday, April 17, 2022, and it was the FA Cup semifinal. Location was at Wembley Stadium, the second home of Chelsea FC. The scoreline, Chelsea 2, Crystal Palace nil. Loftus Cheek in the 65th minute and Mason Mount in the 76th took us to the promised land. And hey, look, uh, Brandon, I don't think we have 15 highlights when it's FA Cup semifinal. I don't know. But uh, maybe you can let us know and we can hand it over to Jake. Yeah, no idea if we had the fist stand highlights. But if we do, obviously, thank you to Chelsea for letting us use them. Uh, the official app of Chelsea FC's a fist stand app. You should download it now if you haven't. Uh, well, let's go ahead and run it back. Otherwise, a quick transition from Jake. Here we go. No highlights this time. All right, Dan, hit us with the lineup coming out of that. Well, a few tweaks from Tuchel that we will get into, but it was Edouard Mendy between the sticks. No cup keepers here. Reese James, Andreas Christensen, and Antonio Rudiger. We are back three with Azpilicueta, Jorginho Kovacic, and Marcus Alonso as the midfield with Mason Mount just behind Kai Havertz and Timo Werner. You saw Keparitha Balaga, Christian Pulisic, and Saul and Saar on the bench and appearances from Thiago Silva and Golo Kante. Romelu Lukaku, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, and Hakim Ziyech. Good old five-sub rule in effect. Some of the top-line stats, uh, Chelsea uh, with uh, 67% possession. Uh, we had 12 shots, four on target. To Palace's six shots with two on target. Um, we ended up with two goals to their nil, which is uh, pretty much the important part. And then the XG at the end of it, uh, Chelsea with a 1.54 to Palace's 0.85. So... Uh, the stats align with the scoreline. I mean, we got the eye test, Nick, to, to see how it went. I think 
minus the first half, just both teams waving the white flag. It, it definitely picked up, and I think Chelsea showed uh, they were the better of the two sides in the second half. Yeah, pulled away. Um, it, it was, you know, a little bit of the, you know, former temporary class is permanent discussion that happened in the second half. And, I, you know, I don't think our attacking play was all that great on the day, but we finished a couple of decent chances and got across the line. And after the week that this team had and the disappointment of the midweek and the 6-0 last week, uh, you know, it's kind of an up and down emotional week. So nice to continue the winning streak. Uh, finish this one on a high and head into Arsenal midweek with uh, a lot of momentum. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, probably a lot of game management, squad management going into this one, which actually is Tommy T's specialty. So add off to Joe tweeting 100% throughout his managerial career. Thomas Tuchel has progressed from 11 out of 11 semifinal ties, 30 goals for four conceded strategizer, which is quite wild when you think about it to ease because cup competitions are very hard to get to obviously that means he's probably lost in earlier rounds but not really tommy t is almost more of a cup manager than a league manager at this point yeah i think if you look back to sort of the madrid games and and generally sort of under tuchel's kind of stewardship chelsea in terms of kind of one-off games we've, we've always had that performance that i think it kind of elevates us to a a kind of top tier standard when it comes to kind of performance levels and it, it, it's really no surprise I think when we, when we come to cup competitions that we have the ability certainly second half to to sort of push through the gears and really kind of I suppose distance ourselves from from Crystal Palace but you know looking to the Madrid game looking to several games through the season when it comes to those one-off games those big games I think Tuchel always has both a a tactical plan and he has the ability I think to generate a performance from from the kind of players as well so yeah it, you know, I appreciate this is a definitely an FA Cup review here, but it's it's trying to find that formula for for the performance today. Southampton, Real Madrid, that we've kind of seen the levels that this Chelsea team can can sort of uh, obtain in terms of their performance. Trying to figure out how you replicate that on a more consistent basis. But yeah, in terms of the sort of cup team thing, you know, we have the ability. I I think genuinely we have the ability to play any team in Europe. Uh, in a one-off game, I think we have the ability to compete with anybody. I think we have the ability to beat them. Um, I think the Real Madrid game showed that. I think we've shown that this season against other teams as well. But yeah, I, I, I certainly think in a one-off game, because it's Liverpool going towards the final, this is very much a, a trophy that we can add to the the Club World Cup and also the, the Super Cup that we've won this season. All right. Uh, Nick, do you have an MPET shit house moment of the match? <sighs> do I have an MPET shit Rudi Rudiger the match? scaring everyone by going down with a cramp in the 84th minute after all subs have been used? Yeah, that was that was just more terrifying than anything. Um, wasting. Probably uh, the photo that Dan sent the group of Rudiger on top of the the dog pile after the second goal, uh, <laughs> where he looks absolutely insane and also like he's levitating ten feet in the air. Uh, I like that quite a bit. There were some too. jumps today. There were some really impressive jumps. Mason, Ruben, Rudiger. Ruben got up. Yeah. There was some some vertical leap on display. Yes. Had to love that. Uh, tweets, any XBs on your chart? I, I was disappointed today. There wasn't very much on this sort of the XB metric. Um, I felt maybe, maybe took a celebration at the end. That was that was very emphatic. That was very, I, I don't know. I, I enjoyed that a lot. So maybe Tuku gets an, uh, maybe half a point on an XG. Uh, oh, sorry, an XB. Um, but no, it it was quite a clean game. You know, my, my main source for XBs is normally Reese James and Rudiger. I felt they were quite disciplined in this game. There was a few little moments where they, they got into it a tiny bit, but we're talking maybe 0.01. Uh, 
So nothing really massively on the uh, on the scale there, but well, go maybe Tuchel gets a, a 0.05 for the uh, for the celebration at the end because I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, maybe, maybe Tuchel. Yeah, gotta love the limbs as they call it in the in the stands. But anyways, we're gonna take our ad break. When we get back, we're jumping right into Tuchel, the tactician supreme. Uh, so thank you to the sponsors for financially supporting the show, and we'll be right back. All right, our next partner has a product that I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because well. It's hard to get a lot of micronutrients in, you know, we're all focused on our macros with protein, carbs, and, and fat. And now we gotta add the micronutrients from fruits and vegetables. It's just hard to eat that many servings a day. So uh, I started doing it just to make my life a lot more efficient. I'm getting better gut health and a more uh, durable resistant immune system. So what is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food, sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all of the things. Again, I do it. It's easy. It's fast. It's quick. Uh, I throw up my shaker usually on my way home from work, drink it. It, it goes down quickly. Uh, and like I said, you get six servings of vegetables a day very easily. Uh, but hey, don't listen to me. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. It's recommended by professional athletes and is trusted by leading health experts such as Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais. So right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills, supplements to look out for your gut health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to say, give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash London is blue. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash London is blue to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, Dan, take us out of the break with what is coming up this week because, well, it ain't going to be boring. Oh, look, it's, it's a lot of fucking pods. You know, when uh, you have a team <laughs> that plays in the maximum number of games possible in a season, minus two at this point, uh, 63, um, and a women's team who is also playing an exceptional number of games, you do a lot of podcasts. Um, mm -hmm. And when your club is for sale... Um, that, you also have another lot of podcasts. So look, uh, Women's FA Cup semifinal match review. we got an Arsenal match review coming up. Uh, that's going to be real, real fun if we can continue to just put them in the spin cycle. Uh, a Matt Law update, potentially. You know, look, some, something might happen this week. Uh, we got a Tinkerman two-parter, Joe Tweeds, that we're going to be dropping. And look, uh, maybe one more for the road. I don't know. We, 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 we just like doing pods. Joe, <laughs> Joe, are, are we... Room on the road. Are, are we being too presumptive with a two-parter, or are you going to fit it all into an hour this time? Uh, okay, Nick, you, you you know, okay, everyone who knows who listens to the Tinkerman <laughs> knows that Yas and I, we, we have every good intention in the world to make it an hour, and then we get into one, like, literally, like, we've got it, okay, we've got four parts, we're going to do 15 minutes each, and then the first part takes 45 minutes, we're like, okay, it's going to yeah. be two hours, <laughs> every single time. <laughs> yeah, if you guys have more than one section, uh, ain't going to happen, so, understood. <laughs> All right, well, let us go ahead and jump right into breaking down the first part being, again, Tuchel, the tactician supreme. So, pals, through the gaffer curveball. Uh, with their lineup and their formation, but he made the necessary adjustments to see the Blues through. Uh, and speaking from the man himself on the unanticipated look from Palace, uh, the gaffer said, quote, we had to take care of some things to control Crystal Palace before they started their counterattacks. And for that, we had to be very disciplined. We had to close the spaces down and we tried, 
while we tried to attack. They changed their formation today. We did not expect that. So uh, there were not the same spaces to explore that we thought we can, end quote, which again, when uh, you spend all of three days preparing for, I guess, three and a half, maybe preparing for a cup semifinal, Nick. And, you know, Palace have been pretty rigid in what they've done under Vieira. He's clearly trying to create an identity and a style for the team. And to be fair, done a pretty good job of it. Um, he went into his managerial toolbox and said, how about we just throw something weird at them that they're not going to be ready for? And thankfully, Tuchel and the, the team were able to to adapt. Yeah, two two key points I want to make on this one. Uh, one, their identity is largely based in Connor Gallagher. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and so when you don't have that option, it becomes really tricky to press the same way that he's able to help them press. And two... Uh, Tuchel made a really strategic choice in the second half, and it was early in the second half, to bring Mason Mount deeper to play Ruben in front of Jorginho to have that midfield three, uh, which we don't typically see with our wingback setup, and basically just leave uh, Kai and Werner up top and really tra- play more of a traditional like three five two, I guess. Um, but it was necessary because Mason was able to track back, get closer to Jorginho, Jorginho struggled a lot in the first half with distribution and kind of quickness of play. And so it was a it was a massive changeover and it kind of took them out of the game completely. We dominated the ball in the second half. So I don't know, Joe, did you see the same things that I was seeing up there? Yeah, I, I mean, first half, it looked like we were a little bit surprised that they had matched up. Um, you know, I could see certainly first half, Tuka was very, very animated when it came to all sort of midfield play. Um Kovacic going off wasn't an enormous help. I think certainly for the past couple of weeks, he's been certainly probably one of Chelsea's best players in terms of progression, but just general kind of performance levels as well. Um, Tuchel seemed to be very much focusing on on Jorginho. Uh, There was that very animated clip that I think was shown on Sky Sports and probably around the world as well in terms of his kind of, I mean, it it was a rant for all intents and purposes that was very much aimed aimed at Jorginho. Um, But second half, yeah, I think dropping Mason deeper, playing a little bit more of a a kind of a natural triangle in midfield with Jorginho at the base um, allowed certainly Ruben. I think Ruben's second half was was very good. Um, And Mason, you know, Yaz and I always talk about this connector role where he plays a little bit withdrawn, um, where he kind of connects the the sort of defence midfield with the attack. I always think that 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 is his strength. Um, And when he started appearing in those pockets of space, uh, Palace, that, that, that's when they started to control, uh, sort of uh, lose control of, of the sort of game. Um, and it, it was very clear, I think very early in the second half, that the possession, you know, the, the entire sort of the, the, the narrative, the flow of the game is very much in the in the Crystal Palace half. And that, that was a very, I think, deliberate change. Um, but yeah, I, I, as you say, Nick, I think that that kind of, that triangle sort of in midfield, again, not necessarily something we always see with, with the three at the back. Um, very much with Ruben being deliberately pushed forward and Mason dropping in and creating that triangle. Uh, I think that was very much how Chelsea got on the front foot. And, you know, it's all nervy during the game, but that second half in, you know, I think in hindsight, if anybody looks back at that, was very, very comfortable for Chelsea. And I think a lot of that was due to what Tuchel did in the second half as well in terms of tactics. Flexibility uh, is key. Uh, The other kind of thing that threw us, I think, well, pretty much everyone off, Dan, is that our wing back and right center back were flipped. Yeah, two goals a little bit of the flippity flop with the Reese James and Azpilicueta situation. Do you and think he made it, that change originally or once they got their lineup sheet, they were like, uh, tactics board, grab the magnets, flip them? That was no, that was a whole they, week discussion. There's no way. Yeah, this this is the 
Venetia's treatment, it's the Zaha treatment, it's the Reese is just able to match up uh, physically, pace-wise, a little bit better with some of the faster, kind of quicker attackers than Azpilicueta is. And you're saying, hey, let's let's trade off and lose a little bit of the attacking thrust to gain maximum security. I think in general, this felt like more of last season, Tuchel, where it was like damage mitigation, where, you know, we're not going to let ourselves get beat. We're going to have to work hard and do a lot to make our goal happen, which I think you see in the XG too. Like, you know, we got two goals, but we were only 1.5 and really... It was because it was a really great strike from Ruben and a really great strike from Mason. But he didn't want to lose the game by getting beat and by placing Ruben back there, but you know, especially in the first half and letting him really just establish dominance for 45 minutes um, to then go into the second half. And you actually then saw Ruben start to freelance a little more. He was drifting in, in the mid pockets. He had Christensen dropping a little bit deeper uh, and kind of taking that sweeper role in the back to kind of cover off. But in general... You know, I think at that point, Joe, you know, we saw that just the versatility of Reese uh, to be able to be a right center back or a right wing back whenever the situation calls for it is pretty fantastic. It's I, th- I think the more that I watch his team over the season, I, I think and, and this isn't some sort of like really kind of esoteric deep point here. But Reese James is, is incredibly pivotal for how Chelsea play, whether he's a wing back. I think that changes the, the the dynamic of the team. Whether he's a centre back, that changes the, the dynamic mainly because of the the personnel that we're kind of deploying a wing back here. And I think Aspedaqueta had a solid game, um, and it's kind of a little bit of a toss up between: do you lose the dynamism that Reese brings as a wing back, or do you take the solidity and just the, the sort of general quality that he has as a right sided centre back? And I think certainly on that right hand side, first half. You could see that there were there were moments in the game where there were opportunities that Reese maybe would have driven and maybe played a little bit more creative, a little bit more aggressive in terms of receiving possession. Where Aspilicueta was a little bit more kind of reticent to to sort of tap into that that sort of dynamism and and, and really kind of play forward and, and be aggressive in terms of possession. So, yeah, I'm I'm kind of thinking sort of maybe long term. Certainly with the the centre back situation that we're kind of finding ourselves in potentially in the summer. Let's say that the, the worst case scenario, all of them walk. Um, that Reese James is a right-sided centre-back, isn't the worst thing in the world that can happen, assuming that we can find a, a wing-back that plays outside of him? Because I think he's just absolutely exceptional there. You know, locking down Zaha, really absolutely nothing coming down that side. I think he he is, you know, for, for all the quality he has on the ball, for all the technical quality that we admire from him, he is an exceptional defender as well, both in terms of, of, of intelligence, but also just that kind of defensive acumen that he possesses. Um but certainly, I think Aspilicueta really kind of affected that dynamic that we saw against Real Madrid, where we were a lot more aggressive. It was a lot more uh, fluid. We were more on the front foot. The the passing, the the angles we were taking, the the intent, the purpose behind possession was a little bit more, in my opinion, dynamic. And I think that does come from in the system. That does come from sort of the wing backs that we're playing. So I thought it was curious in terms of, as you say, maybe second half, maybe there was there was an argument to swap Asquilla, uh, Aspi and, and Reese put Aspi as, as the right uh, the right side of centre half and push Reese into a little bit more of an advanced position. Um, but I think ultimately, again, the the dynamics I think of the midfield second half when you're looking at uh, sort of Ruben and, and, and Jorginho and then Kante and, and how that sort of progressed in terms of the game. I think that probably. Was, was the real kind of decisive moment because we started to get a real kind of control in midfield. Um, I thought Ruben has said, Ruben kind of really pushed that midfield towards second half, particularly with the, the slight tweak with Mason's position. It gave him a little bit more of a, uh, a, a kind of foil to play off in terms of the left and right-hand side dynamic that we had. But yeah, Reese, 
it, it, I, you know, looking into next season, where Reese James plays, I'm not massively concerned about, but I'm concerned about the, the you know, if he's the right side of centre-back, I'm concerned about the wing-back. If Reese is going to be the wing-back, I'm concerned about who's playing right centre-back. You know, who, who we build around him, I think, for the future is going to be a very interesting question and see how we tackle. But for this game, particularly against Southampton, uh, sorry, against Crystal Palace, the, the yeah, the, I mean, the, the, the dynamic is fine. Um, I don't know. I just think sometimes we're limiting him a little bit in terms of where we're putting him. But as you say, yeah. I think second half was 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 nice to see him progress uh, in terms of ball possession and, and the dynamic have a Ruben, etc. Well, Tuchel might have some quotes for you uh, about where he thinks Reese can play. And look, I'll just summarize it, right? He can play right center back. He can play right wing back. And to Tuchel's point, says looking forward to next year, he'll play the one. Joe, I think you're right. Wherever he goes, I think you got to fill in behind him because there's not enough depth at both of those positions. Um, and, you know, I selfishly would love to see him at wing back, especially while he's still young and fresh and has all this energy yeah. to bomb forward, especially if Chilwell or another overly attacking um, left wing back is on the other side to, to pin teams in because. We didn't get a long glimpse of it, but when we did uh, in the late fall, it was fun to watch this Chelsea yes. team play. Um, we kind of talked about this a little bit loosely uh, about Tuchel, the fact that he realized going into the second half, like some changes need to happen. Um, definitely wanted to get higher up uh, the pitch. Um, but I, I, I think the fact that like, Nick, I think he had to manage the squad a little bit. Uh, we saw even Christensen the first half with the foul kind of went down for a little bit. Kovacic obviously having to come off. Some other players, I think there's probably some fitness that he had to manage. So maybe they're like, look, play it cagey the first half. And then if we're good, then second half, maybe we can up the level. Because it looked like two different halves, two different teams. And I think Tuchel was, is very aware of that. Yeah, I mean, I, I would guess that most of the team is in the red right now. Like, I don't know how they how they couldn't be. I mean, the... The crazy press that they did against Real Madrid, the insane effort they put in um, over the last six to eight weeks, international breaks, all this shit. It's, there's no way that they're not gassed. And so, yeah, I mean, N'Golo Conte can't play today for very long. Thiago Silva can't play today for very long, which probably killed him. But they had to do what was right, you know? Uh, so, yeah, the fact that we had to fit these pieces together into something that resembled uh, a picture was was crucial he said uh Tuchel said minute by minute became more fluid it's one of those games where you need to convert maybe a half chance that one chance you have to win it uh if your opponent does that instead maybe you play the same game or you go out feeling the way uh go out feeling uh that we did enough uh so he said it was hard to do more without taking crazy risks and that speaks to Dan's point I think on just hold them scoreless and if we need to go to penalties at the end of the day at least we haven't given the game away right extended for as long as possible um are you dan are you guys surprised that the keppa versus mendy wasn't a big talking point in this match mainly because two weeks ago nick was saying mendy needs to take a break take him out of the firing line too cool stuck by him i'm not saying it's like exposed nick and bad takes or anything like that but it's like a couple <sighs> weeks ago mendy was not nice. in good form Right, which we all agree, Tuchel stuck by him all the way to this point, left Kepa out, which we know he would at least in a cup final with the League Cup. But again, it, it seems it's because we won, it's not a big deal. Is is that kind of how you think it's going to gloss over? I just think it's a non-story. I just, yep. you, you play your best keeper. Uh, every every player in this team. Yeah, well, 
every uh, every team has had players. Uh, every player on our team has made some type of mistake this season, and probably could have been guilty of needing extended periods of rest. And you know what? Just play your play the best eleven you could put together. Like that. That's the only thing we should be trying to do. Tell that to Pep. I mean, yeah, well, it, well, I mean, he might yeah. go to win the league and win win <laughs> the the Champions League. I mean, I hope that second part doesn't happen. But look, I mean, you know, sometimes you big brain it and uh, it doesn't work out well for you. Uh, Porto twenty twenty one. I mean, I, I will say this: like, no, it's not a story. I mean, the story would have been if Kepa were to replace him the following game against Southampton. But you, I mean three matches later would be a really weird time to do that. And as long as he's playing okay and he's playing okay right now, he's not playing the best uh, goalkeeper uh, position of his life. It's, it's fine. I mean, the defense was great in front of him today, let very little progress. So yeah, there, there's nothing to talk about. He'll, he'll just be playing the rest of the year. Full stop. Cup cup keepers have feelings too. It's, it's tar- hard life. <laughs> You know, they'll have even more great feelings when they their team gets to lift a trophy at the end of the season. Definitely, definitely feels like Keppa probably be in the uh, window, maybe if there's someone with an offer, because you know he's very understandably second choice uh, de facto, and his opportunities are getting limited uh, in big matches. But again, I think that's okay. Tuchel makes decisions. I've said that even in the League Cup final, you play best players you, you can, and you go do the business. Uh, next one up is La Cabum shines bright. Of course, Chelsea lost the tie and some things didn't go. Or- what? Damn. <laughs> My gosh. Damn, uh, dropping the script La Cabum shines bright. Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Let me just open it up, tweets. Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Go. Boy. Um, okay. So I think anyone who knows me who, or who has kind of followed me for an extended period of time will know that I have been a... A Loftus Cheek truther from I don't know <laughs> since he was like 17 years old. I think that's probably the best way to put it. I, I felt that he, if he maybe had a slightly better development curve at Chelsea, if he didn't have the injuries, I felt that he would be a real asset to the first team. And I think this season, certainly the the variety of positions that he's played under Tuchel. You know, we saw him play wing back. We've seen him play a variety of, of positions in midfield. Uh, number six, who plays, you know, we've seen him playing a double pivot. We've seen him playing a, a kind of a hybrid kind of wing back midfield role. You know, he's becoming a very kind of versatile player, and and certainly second half. Um, once once the formation change happened, and there was a little bit more of control in Chelsea midfield, the it, it's very difficult to deny the, the kind of unique traits that he has. Certainly in this Chelsea squad, he has size he has dribbling ability he has ball carrying ability there was one pass to to team Verna. i think it was second halfway incredible pass i think it was to Verna. um you know super pass to him that, that, that resulted in a, a really good opportunity for chelsea and you get these flashes during games where you think you know is there is the is the kind of the, the ceiling still there with ruben i think you know it, it's always going to be that question um, obviously Thomas Tuchel has spoken extensively about him, you know, in the past two, three press conferences, whatever it might be, um, which, you know, again, suggests to me that he has, uh, both faith and also maybe he has a, a slight inkling that, that there is a level above what we're seeing with, with Ruben, you know, certainly this season that suggests that he can become 
either a a very uh, kind of high high level or elite rotational piece for Chelsea, or or maybe he, you know, m- maybe sort of the end goal is here that he kind of moves on from from the club. But today, um, I felt certainly second half he really made a difference. His ball carrying, you know, his ability to retain possession, his ability to link up on that right hand side, and and the goal. Yes, you know, it took a slight deflection there, but the, the strike, it was such a kind of cathartic moment for him. Um, you know, I don't think he scored for Chelsea for two, three, four seasons or whatever that might be, maybe since the, the sort of May 2019. Yeah, so I mean, it's an awful, you know, awful long period of time for somebody of his quality to not score for the club. Um, fantastic strike, you know, real kind of pivotal moment. Um, and just, you know, the, the celebration for me was, was it's everything I love about the academy connection with Chelsea. It was pure kind of euphoria it was it was absolutely connected and, and sort of grounded in the moment yeah. uh, a phenomenal strike and I think it kind of underpinned as I say that that second half I think you know Ruben always takes time to either warm up in games or he needs a run of games to kind of get into that sort of locomotion phase where he's starting to sort of play in purr and he's starting to do that that kind of Rolls Royce thing in midfield that we want him to do um, but second half today I think he was a really positive influence and as I said that that finished for the goal um, and I think just his general play, you know, winning three kicks, just the, the ball carrying ability. I think that was, was certainly one of the changing points when you look at the dynamics of the game, um, you know, moving to three midfield when he had that kind of mini overload in there, his ability to carry the ball, it, they, they couldn't contend with it. And again, I don't think even, even Real Madrid, you know, going back to that game, they're playing that kind of hybrid sort of right wing back, sort of right central midfield position. There were times when he was carrying the ball second half against Madrid where they, they, they didn't know how to stop him. Somebody of that size, that technical ability. Um, you know, he's, he's a unique proposition. I think he will continue to be so. I'm just hoping that with Tuchel's comments, um, kind of gives me a, a bit of hope that he sees that there is something there in, in Ruben in the future, whether that is a, yeah. you know, in a double six, whether that is, is part of a, you know, kind of a, a sort of a two eights as we saw today with Mason and Ruben. Um, but he has a unique skill set. You don't get six foot three, six foot four midfielders who can carry the ball like Ruben, who can dribble, who can who can beat players like he can. And today we saw a little bit of that creativity. We saw the final pass. We saw the goal. It's always you're kind of scratching the surface with him all the time. I'm just hoping at some point maybe we kind of get that sort of handbrake released or e-brake for our US listeners. Um, hmm. And we see that release and we just start to see a little bit more of him in, in that kind of full flow because I always think back to that that second half of that sorry season where he was absolutely superb in Europa League, Premier League. He was starting to develop that chemistry of in house and he was becoming a real focal point of the team. Um, I want him to get back to something approaching that kind of level of form because that, that kind of calibre of player is somebody that you would think Thomas Tuchel can work with. And I think he sees that. And that's kind of why the pointed comments have, have been focused on him. But, you know, yeah. second half, as I say, the finish, the, the the quality he showed, I think it was a real focal point. But the goal, I was super, super happy for him because, again, semi-final Wembley, you know, Loftus-Cheek, been at Chelsea since he was a baby. Real, real, you know, really big moment for him. And I'm hoping, again, that's like a springboard for him to, to act as a catalyst to, to maybe step up a few levels for the rest of the season. Yeah, he, he said way overdue. It's been a tough road. Injuries, going on loan to find my form. Always believed in myself. I always wanted to play for Chelsea. Uh, Mason on Ruben. I'm buzzing for Rubes. He's worked so hard to get back, and he's in shape now. He's a top, top player. He came on in a difficult game and stepped up. He was brilliant today. Uh, I think he's a like a feel-good story of the season. Yeah. I know he hasn't been you know, playing at a super high level all year he's been okay um he's been know, in moments player nick yeah very you know sparsely you know 
contributed in, in ways, but getting that goal, Dan, to me, it felt like the there was like a pressure valve that was released at that point. And it was, you know, I think we've all been kind of waiting for him to take a rip at goal and see what the hell happens. <laughs> and we finally got it. Well, he could have had an assist too. He played that mm-hmm. supremely delightful Ugh. ball forward into Werner in between, just like threaded the needle with it. And that could have been another really great opportunity. Just his ability to drive it forward. The one run he had where basically, you know, it was shredding people. It's like, nah, you can touch me, but you're not going to stop me. And just he kept on just plowing through the midfield. It was it was quite fantastic, and I think it's just very exciting to see. Whereas maybe at a certain point this season, you would have thought, what does his next move look like beyond Chelsea? That there might be something for him in this squad contributing next season, particularly as you think about Chelsea play sixty plus odd matches sometimes every season, and. Uh, we need everybody to contribute. And if he can contribute and play to this level, uh, Tuchel is in a really happy place, and so are we. Yeah. Um, again, up and down. Obviously, trust enough to play against Real Madrid. Kind of, you know, fill in space on that one. I think, you know, just Brentford not that long ago, he had a pretty poor game. So mm-hmm. with minutes comes consistency. Maybe Mason's giving us an insight that Ruben hasn't really been fit, and now he's just in the last couple weeks gotten um gotten there so uh we'll see but when you look at the <laughs> when you look at his game by numbers thanks to at Satman dave uh in 64 minutes he had 100 tackles one 100 take on successful 100 shot accuracy 100 long ball accuracy and then 83 percent overall pass accuracy huge impact off the bench because that's right he was a super sub coming in for an injured kovacic in the middle of it had to pick up the flow thankfully didn't take him long Maybe it's because he's familiar with Palace, having spent all that time on loan. But it's a very different Palace than it was uh, very refreshed team. today. Very, very different than the the Hodgson era one. This is a very, very good Palace side. Very fun to watch. Yeah, uh, for neutrals though, Dan. Obviously, um, uh, ma- <laughs> you gotta respect it. You you have to respect when an opposition team comes in and they they make it difficult for you. And and Palace did that. So credit to them. Yeah, I mean, and it also did set us up for great Arsenal fan TV shenanigans where they complain that Gallagher is beating them, even though he's on loan with Chelsea. So apparently that's like Chelsea Actually, 3D chessing so, the league. So, so here's the thing you wouldn't know unless you went to the Arsenal subreddit. I have not. Just to oh, see what their reaction God, was. No. So oh, no. there was concern that, yes, they wanted Chelsea to lose, but they also were concerned because if Palace were to beat Liverpool it might put at risk a European spot for them and force them out of Europa League to Conference League. And so there was a really interesting dynamic of the self-loathing they feel for themselves. <laughs> Plus the hatred God. for Chelsea is phenomenal. It's so good. I'm just saying, drink it up, man. Drink it up. <laughs> there, are, there are levels to the game and rooting against Palace to hold on to your Europa Conference slot. That ain't it, Chief. Yeah, they're at the bottom of the levels, uh, you could say. Uh, Mason, right? Fresh trim Big Mason. game player, Brandon. Big game player. Uh, some would argue, uh, but no one on this pod will. So uh, at Squawker, breaking it down. Uh, for Mason Mount, he's now scored in three different semifinals for Chelsea. 
Oh, I see. Big game. You read ahead, Nick. So because if wow. you score in semifinals to get your team to the final, that's that's kind of a, a big deal. So he scored versus Manchester United, small team, uh, in 2020. Scored <laughs> versus Real Madrid, <laughs> uh, a big team in 2021. Mm. And now he scored against Crystal Palace. Uh, the biggest for, team. For argument's sake, the biggest team in 2022. So another goal in a big game. And then at Sam and Dave saying Mason Mount has been directly involved in six goals in his last three games. Uh, two goals assist versus Southampton, a goal and assist versus Real Madrid, a goal versus Crystal Palace. He's flying. Um, and and there were points of the year where it was an off year for him. Yeah, but it's also <laughs> now a career year for him. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I'm just saying like, this was not a consistent trend line throughout the entire of the year, right? There were a few more <laughs> peaks and valleys this year, but the ascendancy in this last little bit of the season to come in and say, I got you, fam, and just take the team on his back occasionally. And, you know, the team is Yoda and he's Luke Skywalker and he's like, <laughs> we're getting through Dagobah, man, no problem. It's amazing. It's really, really incredible to see. And... Yeah, I mean, just keep keep the hair short. I, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> like keep the, if, keep keep the fucking short. hair short. Keep it short. Can, can I just say, like, categorically, whoever Mason Mountain's barber is, if Chelsea do not send the entire squad there before whatever games we've got coming up, whether, you know, directly before the, the FA Cup final, whether it's the remainder of the season, if they're not all in this particular barbershop getting the kind of the Sansom or maybe the reverse Sansom kind of treatment, in terms of the the trim that Mason has received. Because, you know, post-haircut, he, he's looked like the player that we all kind of saw last season. And I think this season, we're kind of, it's a difficult thing because he, as you say, he's, in terms of goals and assists, he's having a career year, but maybe performance levels last season, more intrinsic, more kind of sort of at, at the heart of what was good about Chelsea. Maybe the haircut is kind of the segue between the two. Maybe next season keeps keeps the hair short, uh, maybe he brings along a few other players to the barbers as well, and, and they kind of, you know, re- kind of reach his levels of play. But if we keep the hair short, maybe he's going to marry the the goals and assists, the output, let's say, the outcome-based stats that we're very, very... Obviously, everyone's very happy that he's getting goals and assists, but marrying that with the performance levels that we've seen kind of in his early how, two-year how career. We, how do we pass this note along to uh, to the bully or uh, Peg Luca group? Just say like, hey, can we get that barber signed to a contract we, as well? We have influence. We, we will figure out a way. We have the power to do this. We will 100% do this. Let me throw a conspiracy theory at you that's based in no reality whatsoever. <laughs> Love it. These are the best kind of conspiracy theories, Nick. So yes. Please. Really the only kind. But um, <laughs> typically, N'Golo Conte has been our best player over the last handful of years. N'Golo Conte, hair very short, almost non-existent. What if N'Golo Conte is the barber in the team, given <laughs> everyone's short hair, right? But then it supercharges them up, right? But by giving him haircuts, he takes away his own power. Hmm. But he's but he's selfless. Hmm. Pouring in right? other people. This wow. is what I'm saying. This it's sounds like a very failed Marvel pitch. Yeah, like like this was a pitch to Marvel, and they were like, "Okay, right, we've got this thing the with Conte where like, he's been, nah, yeah, he's know. been incredible for the past ten years." However, he pitched it to Marvel, and like they're like, "Nah, he had to go like Image Comics or somebody else, like, <laughs> take a walk down the block, man." Yeah, he, he's he's been relegated to like the New York Times back page, like the little strip of comics that didn't, I don't even know if it exists anymore, but like Peanuts, like it's below Peanuts. I'm sure the cartoons will never die. Well, th- hey, thanks for shitting on my ideas, fellas. It's all it's all good. Um, <laughs> 
We can, we can keep uh, it moving. Oh, no. <laughs> we can. We, d- we definitely could. Um, but we can continue on the Mason side. Like, uh, again, you know, we say this kind of week in, week out. Like, he takes a lot of um, just flack and, and, like, you know, griping from, from fans out there. And all he does is try his hardest for the club. Doesn't speak out. Um, doesn't put the club in in bad light, minus the little slip up where him and Deckers went and played football in the park during COVID. Like other than that, you couldn't ask for a better player and representative of Chelsea. And so for play or for fans who got out of their way to kind of like take pot shots at him, it just kind of blows my mind. You know, like there's many other people that have caused a lot of stress and heartache about this club. Romelu Lukaku had an interview in Sky Italia, if we want to remember that. Uh, you don't have to worry about that with Mason. Like his heart is in the right place. His he's a smart kid. He knows what he's doing. He goes out there and just busts his ass every single match. And we should be happy and excited that he's having success again. Just shows Chelsea from club top all the way down to the 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 U sixes and up. You know Mason came from Portsmouth. He's only been there since he was eight. That is an amazing career and journey that that he's been able to build for himself inside Chelsea. And we should celebrate it. So. Um, and then there's a couple other connections to the Academy in here. I don't really know where to go. So I'm just gonna let Dan crack this egg open and see what happens. Well, I, I just, you know, look, I mean, I, I do think in the first half, uh, Mark Gurhey was making life really, really difficult for Kai Havertz and it sucked to be on the receiving end of, um, Mark Gurhey kind of masterclass for at least the first 45 minutes that later, later we kind of changed the script on him and he maybe helped assist the second goal um who's to say um but yeah he had 100 percent pass accuracy three fouls drawn two tackles one and uh you know people thought there might have been a penalty shout but it was really more of a kai havertz uh dive yes it was trip. a flat out dive that was 100 yeah, um, penalty <laughs> and uh olise too uh, i mean just both of them uh very bright it's it's great to see nick i think the amount of players who've come out of Cobham's Academy, the, the Cobham Academy rather, and how they continue to impact the entirety of world football and the English game, regardless of whether or not they make it at Chelsea, uh, they typically tend to find success somewhere in football. I, I like the cut of Olise's jib, man. He is dynamic. He's fast. He has the, uh, I think, the vision to play balls in ahead of when some of our players play them in. I am uh, I'm I'm on that hype train. I think he looks awesome and might provide a different kind of winger look to what we got going on, Joe. Yeah, I mean, Elise was always an interesting prospect because you know people that I spoke to around the academy. I always hate it when people give kind of like generic reasons around attitude because I think that's very subjective. Um, you know, I, I, I'm led to believe, and I, I say this very much with a kind of very I don't know like tinted perspective towards you know, academy bias here, but I'm led to believe that he had, he wasn't quite serious about his football, but, you know, going to, to sort of Reading and, 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 and now to, to Palace, you know, discovering the, the maybe, let's say maybe he's gone through like a maturation process. He's matured as a player. He's matured as a person. Um, his skill set is when you look at this Chelsea team, you look at that, maybe that lack of real kind of 1v1 player, that sort of real ability to, to kind of dribble and drive that Elise has. Um, you know, his his younger brother is, is currently in the academy as well. So we still have that connection to, to him as sort of a, uh, kind of a family name. But, you know, he's uh, he's going to be, I think, a long line of players. You look at Elise, maybe not to the extent of, of a Declan Rice that we've also let go. 
Um, but Elise and, and certainly Declan Rice are, are showing that, you know, the even if you are rejected by Chelsea's academy, you know, in terms of progressing through to the 18s, 23s, whatever that might be, whatever that pathway is, um, that we still produce amazing players. And I, I think you're right, Nick. He has... He has a different kind of, of, of flavour to what we see at Chelsea, sort of, you know, certainly the wide forwards we have, bar maybe Ziyech, who's a little bit more of like a deep playmaker, you know, Werner and, and Pulisic, particularly for me, are always kind of players that you want to kind of get onto the ball ahead of, ahead of play. They want to, that you know, they're kind of finishers, they're kind of people that want to finish moves. I think Elise is a little bit more of that kind of wide playmaker that we've lacked since, since kind of Eden Hazard's departure a little bit more 1v1, a little bit more kind of ability to dribble and control the game with his, you know, kind of ball at his feet. Um, but yeah, a a strange kind of reason that he maybe departed Chelsea. And it, it's probably maybe one to, to explore with, with Phil, Chelsea youth in future, just why uh, Elisa didn't quite crack it at Chelsea. Because as I say, you know, the, 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 the kind of information that I have is that it was an attitude thing, but I, I never really buy into that. It's always quite subjective. So, you know, why he didn't progress into into sort of the the, the kind of loan army, sort of the, the perspective that we see of certain players that got on loan and, and maybe come back and have an opportunity. But he's showing for me, certainly now at Crystal Palace, that he belongs at Premier League level. And probably as, as much as I, I enjoy watching Palace, I think what they've done this season it's been incredible. I, I remember tipping them that they do a lot better than what people thought earlier in the season. Um, I think that he has shown that he's probably good enough to play for a, a kind of top six, maybe seven team in terms of in terms of their squad. So again, uh, another player that we've produced that has the quality, the capability to play to play at sort of the the top top level. Um, maybe maybe we've again we've we've assessed that incorrectly, but. You know, if you look at him and you look at even Declan Rice, that's maybe, you know, that, that's well over £100 million worth of talent that we've maybe got wrong there. So it shouldn't be hugely surprising at times that we've let certain people go. Um, but again, as I say, an, another incredible player that, that we've produced. Um, and, you know, again, Phil will back this up, but his brother is also an incredibly talented player coming through the Chelsea Academy at the moment. So maybe we've let one Elisa go, maybe the second will, will come through and actually uh, register a little bit more of a, on the Richter scale at Chelsea when it comes to the first team squad. All right, well, uh, one's a watch, but let us go ahead and look ahead to the final at Wembley Stadium. It's going to be so exciting. Uh, everything on the line. It's a rematch with the damn Liverpudlians. League Cup final, now the FA Cup final. Everyone talking about how we got to listen here hear about the damn quadruple the rest of the season leading up to that. Um, bit of a revenge match, you could say. So, um, look, Liverpool, if you guys watched the match yesterday, Liverpool versus Man City. Man City with about 26 changes to their entire squad. I don't even know if Pep was on the sideline. Uh, I think he was still tired. They changed managers, too. I think he, <laughs> he did the little wave at the side. I got to go. I got to get the he, hell He's out still of here. tired from fighting Diego Simeone and Atletico Madrid midweek. Um, but credit them, they fought back uh, 3-2. Definitely could have tied it up, taken the extra time. Uh, but Liverpool just mauling them in the first half. Zach Steffen kicking it in his own net, essentially, uh, which is super frustrating to see as an American. Bold strategy, Cotton. Yeah. Let's see how it works out for you. Yep. Uh, so anyways, it, it will be Liverpool uh, in the final. And we were talking in our group chat a little bit with Yaz that, uh, Nick, we kind of feel like Liverpool is the better matchup uh, over City. But I tell you what, I'd take City's C team if we if we could. Because <laughs> they were shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if you're guaranteed to play the <laughs> Zach Steffen-led City team, yeah, absolutely play that team. But yeah, I think, I mean, there's been nothing between us and Liverpool this year. Two draws and a penalty loss. I mean, and, and, and that was... And a terrible... Terrible VAR call because yes. that was one in real time. Yeah, 
and I just don't anticipate VAR will ever do anything right for us again. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is the opportunity to get one back on them, to, to take one of the trophies off of them. And I think we're going to be extra motivated. I think they're going to be very distracted at that point of the season. And we know we'll see. We, we, we've been in that position last season. Right. Been there, done that. Yeah. yeah let, so we'll let, see. Let Leicester, Leicester City walk in on us as we had, uh, you know, maybe one eye, but most likely both eyes <laughs> on the Champions League final Porto. Uh, I mean, look, it's to the point where Liverpool, you have to kind of see how the rest of the league matches go. I, I, I really don't think the FA Cup is going to be a priority for them, but they have a good enough squad that, that they can manage multiple matches. Um, Joe, it, again, Liverpool going in, this seems like a good situation, but as we talked about earlier, We've been in the final the last five or six seasons, but we have not won it nearly enough out of those five. We need to add the FA Cup back to Chelsea's trophy cabinet. Yeah. Okay, so, so there's two things here, and, and this will this will kind of border on a small rant here, but there, there are two things Do that slightly Do irritate it. about this. <laughs> Start the time. First of all, okay, Henry Winter... Mm-hmm. A, a journalist that I used to, I, I used to, and I emphasize used to enjoy reading and listening to in terms of his opinion here. He has referred to Wembley as Anfield South in a tweet. Uh, Liverpool, I think, have played there less than 10 times. Chelsea have played the, the new Wembley nearly, we're, we're approaching 30 times here. So, you know, the, the narrative around Liverpool and them owning Wembley and being this, you know, oh, you know they, they've always... Last time they were there was when they lost to us in the final 10 years Precisely, ago. Precisely, Nick. Thank, thank you very much for, yeah, the last time they were there was when we beat them. I think uh, Ramirez and somebody else, I literally can't remember, but it was Driver. the Di Matteo season. It was yeah. the last final that they were there. Um, so Anfield South, apparently, even though, we, I mean, we've been there like a billion times... So that's the first thing that irritates me is that we're, we're already in the kind of the wake of a Henry Winter led and, and another journalist like this is Anfield South. This is, you know, this is this is Liverpool's, you know, away, you know, home away from home. And yeah, I'm like, mm, we've definitely been there like a million times more than, but OK, we'll let that go. Um, and, and the kind of second thing I think probably that, that is beginning to, to irritate me a tiny, tiny bit here again is in terms of like the. The, the whole way this is being propositioned, it, it's almost like it's, you know, looking at Chelsea, I, I, I think it was an article from The Sun. And again, I don't know why I'm giving too much credence to The Sun, but it appeared on my timeline and therefore I'm there. Therefore, you know, I'm kind of irritated by it. Chelsea, apparently we haven't won any trophies this season. That was the big article from The Sun, you know, Thomas Tuchel, you know, unless he wins the FA Cup, Chelsea are going to be trophyless. Now, unless the European Super Cup and the, the World Club Cup are mythological weird things that we have all dreamt up and not taken part of in the past, I don't know how many months it was ago. I'm fairly certain, and again, you know, as I say, I've had a few gin and tonics this evening. However, I'm fairly certain <laughs> that even in my my gin and tonic kind of catatonic state here, that we have definitely won a, at least one trophy this season, maybe two. There, there was a whole hullabaloo about completing the set. It was it was the thing that happened just exactly. a so, mere yeah, minutes you know, ago. We, yeah. We have now won every single possible trophy. Okay, by the, you know, the, what's it, the Europa Conference, which is kind of made up and it's like, it's not a real trophy. We've won everything possible that you could possibly win in European football and world football. Um, but we've not won any trophies. I, I don't know. It, the, there seems to be this like growing trend, as I said, with, with the sun. I don't know. I don't know if, we're ever, if we ever have aspirations to have a Henry Winter on the show, but his article really irritated me. So Henry Winter and well, the sun. He's not coming on anymore, Joe. Damn. I'm so sorry. Yeah, uh, but, but, but let, let's be honest. Matt Law is clear of him, so that's absolutely fine. Um, so, so winter plus the sun. I mean, it, it really 
yeah, it's kind of set, it's kind of set me in the motion that I think that this is a final. Yeah, okay, you know we're competing for for top four. Um, I think everyone below us, they're absolutely terrible. There seems to be a fight for fourth rather than a fight for third, which is great for us. Um, but I think to Nick's point, we've been in we've been in this final. You know, uh, it, it feels like it, it feels like we're in it every season, um, and we've not won it for a very long period of time. Um, it would be a nice, I think, a nice way to cap off a very successful kind of settling in period transition from from the current owner to the new you know the new owner we've won three trophies this season or one if you're a sun journalist um it, it feels like a nice way to end the season but yeah you know the, the fa cup final liverpool and you know any anyone who has listened to to yaz and i talk on the tinkerman will know i mean we did a very kind of deep dive on on tuchel versus versus Klopp. I, I think that's a favourable matchup. I think Tuchel, and again, this may be brazen, this may be that, you know, very well ahead of the time, but we have matched up incredibly well against them. We have played incredibly well against them. I don't think we deserve to league cup, uh, to lose the league cup final. I don't think we deserve to to have some of the results we've had against them this season. Um, certainly that, you know, the, the, the two will draw. I think we deserve to win that game on, on the strength of the performance. I think that Tuchel can put together a, a Chelsea performance, a, a set of players that can beat Liverpool, um, particularly because, you know, they will have their eye on the Champions League, they will have their eye on the Premier League. You know, they still have their, their eyes on many competitions. I think there is an opportunity there. And again, it's a wonderful competition to win the FA Cup. You know, you've, you've won the, you know, you've won the Club World Cup, you've won the European Super Cup. Okay, you know, it kind of reinforces that Chelsea are a bit of a cup team, but it does set the platform, hopefully, oh. for a little bit of a refurbishment going into next season. And as I say, you know, it's it's a big thing for me, certainly with Liverpool in the final, to, to kind of humble and, and to silence a little bit of the media narrative that Chelsea, apparently, we've, we've not won in trophies this season. Um, and despite appearing maybe three times uh, more regularly than Liverpool at Wembley, that it is apparently called Anfield South rather than Stamford Bridge adjacent, which, again... You know, very small details, but it does irritate me a tiny bit. Here's, here's what's going to happen. Liverpool, very distracted. L- looking to potentially, you know, advance past a very difficult Villarreal team and potentially face City in the in the final. I don't, you mean Real Madrid? I, I don't mean Real Madrid, Dan. Thank you for asking. Um, uh, Benzema will think differently, but okay. <laughs> yeah, he's one man, though. So um, I, I think that Chelsea... Now that finals confirmed, schedule is going to lighten up a little bit for the first time all year. <laughs> um, I think we'll head into that having having not played every twelve seconds, uh, and to have an incredibly motivated Thomas Tuchel after an incredibly difficult year, and to have a Mason Mount who's fired out of a cannon because he's pissed off and tired of losing at Wembley. I think he's lost five straight at Wembley. Uh, that that team's going to win the FA Cup. And hey, it's hey. going to be glorious. Uh, I mean, it really will be cool. Um, and also, it would be really cool because we, we'd love to be there. That'd be really neat. So yeah, That would be really interesting if we were in London. So, Dan, some are saying that we have been good luck in the past. For Many people are saying this. We went, we went to a Champions League final and, and we won against not, the odds. I'm not saying that us being there is a guarantee or anything like that because that would be stupid. But it, it, is, it is a guarantee. It couldn't hurt, you know. Did, did I ruin the big surprise, Brandon? You're shaking your head at me like a, like you're my dad and I've disappointed no, you. No, not at all. <laughs> I, no, Brandon. I think we're good. <laughs> I, think, I think we'll leave that tease there. Uh, it'll be fun. Uh, Dan in the match, which is great. 
right? That you got to do one. Look, when we win, it's great. Uh, the one person we didn't talk about for the entirety of this match, uh, except for his, in a, his not converting a pass of uh, Timo Werner uh, with 46% of the vote was the, uh, the day of the match. Ruloft is cheek with 32%, Mason Mount with 11%, and Reese James with 10%. Timo also had a good game. Let's just, Timo did have a good game. He didn't have a man of the match performance, though. Apparently, it was the Emirates butt of the match, whatever <laughs> thing, really? too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Part of the match. I love what? <laughs> he was he was good, but wow, that's very. Did I miss that? Look, Timo Werner having this end of his season could completely flip his entire Chelsea fortune. Just putting that out there. Did, I mean, do you think he was made of the match? No, no, it, it was Ruben. But okay, that so I'm not I'm not missing anything dramatic. I here. think we should like, find out. Send the tweets in. Let's fire up the Discord. Let's figure out what's going on. That's um, shocking to me. I, like, again, usually Twitter. Twitter doesn't take, like, the pat you on your back man of the match. They usually are like, hey, know who really was. So this this surprises me. Well, he won He won by 14%. Yeah. Like, that. that's wild. Wow. Okay. Huh. He, um, yeah. Okay. All right. Well. Uh, like we said, uh, we'll be heading to uh, Wembley to play Liverpool in the final. Uh, some interesting weekend of results, by the way, back in the Premier League. We play midweek. Uh, we're actually playing, what is it? Um, Arsenal. Small. No, I know that. A small club. But we are playing match week 25. <laughs> 25? Yes, it's the 25th match week fixture this week while everyone else is playing 33. Uh, because, look, we have to squeeze in matches and make them up. Remember when Arsenal had COVID uh, for a month? Yeah, yeah so... Anyways, we'll be playing them later this week. But at, at the weekend, Spurs losing to Brighton one nothing. That was fun. Uh, Man, Get on you, goals. Man United squeaking past Norwich three uh, two. Southampton beating Arsenal one nothing. And then Watford. Golly, ju- golly, golly, good, Watford good, good losing one to two to Brentford, uh, which is a very interesting situation um, for Saturday and then Sunday. Uh, no, Sean Dyche. Uh, he's been sacked by Burnley. They drew 1 1 at West Ham and Newcastle. Last gasp winner at, uh, against Leicester 2 1. So Newcastle are definitely staying up. Uh, yeah. Bummer on that one. But if Burnley, the, Watford, results, and Norwich go down. These yes. results all broke our way, basically, outside of the United one. Uh, if Norwich had been able to hold on and uh, not give up a free kick. Uh, but in general, it's a point Joe made earlier. The best thing that could happen is this fight for fourth just continues to allow them to chop away at each other. We have that nice little cushion right now. And two matches in hand. With two matches in hand. And that maybe that uh, Leeds match midweek before the FA Cup final, maybe we get to rest a few players and be super, super fresh. Yeah, we'll have to see. Um uh, Liverpool, Man United play on Tuesday. Everton, Leicester City play Wednesday, and we play Arsenal Wednesday. So a lot of midweek matches. Um, our our last run of games: Arsenal, West Ham, United. United match got moved up to April twenty eighth, which is a Thursday because we're advancing in the FA Cup final. Uh, so that's a decently difficult end to to April, but then Everton. Wolves, Leeds, Liverpool FA Cup final win, uh, Leicester and Watford. <laughs> so May becomes more manageable mm-hmm. after that. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, there's a few more matches midweek, but it doesn't really matter. The Premier League table as it stands, uh, Manchester City in first, 31 matches played, 74 points. Liverpool second, 31 played, 73 points. So, you know, they're going head-to-head blow for blow on that one. Uh, Chelsea are in third on 30 matches played, 62 points. And then in fourth is Tottenham, 32 matches played, 57 points. United fifth, 32 played, 54 points. And Arsenal sixth on 31 played, 54 points. We have a five-point lead, two matches in hand above Tottenham and United, one over Arsenal, who we obviously play this week. So that would be a big result. Arsenal been getting, they've lost three in a row, so they've got to turn something around. So we have to be careful um of them coming at us and then obviously we know Norch is essentially going down there and you know 21 points Watford in 19th on 22 points Burnley 18th on 25 points uh so uh Frank's not out of it yet with Everton in 17th but they uh just holding their head above water uh as it stands so they've got a match in hand uh on Burnley which will probably come back to to help them eventually so um hmm it's gonna be and two on leads too. Be so they, they could pop back up as well. All right. Well, look, um, super excited. Double Wembley. All right. Two tickets punched, men and women. Super excited to listen to the uh the Blue Royalty group uh with a guest jump into that on Tuesday and relive the glory. Uh G, my word. Oh, my word. Oh, you want to talk about goal of the weekend. My goodness, G. Oof. Oh, it's it's going to be fantastic, which is what I'm trying to get at. So a lot more content coming at you. Uh, we're going to have the women, like I said, uh, hopefully a sale update, Tinkerman stuff from Tweez and Yes. So uh, a lot to look forward to. So Joe, thanks for joining us on your bank holiday, sir. Yeah. C- can I give it a very, very small anecdote here? Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, bank holiday weekend, long weekend in the UK. Um, one of my uncles on my mum's side came down to, to visit me and, and my parents. Um, he is a Tottenham fan and he... I think until the 88th minute, watched the Brighton game and he got into the car with me thinking it was nil-nil. I had the great pleasure of sort of very slowly (laughs) and very painfully revealing to him that they had lost 1-0 over the course of a 20-minute journey to go go uh, and and, and have lunch with them and my aunt. Um, So yeah, I said a very small anecdote, but to kind of show you how petty I am in in real life, Mm. I knew that they had been beaten. I asked him what the result was. He said nil nil, and and you know he is a better. So I was like, I'll pretend to look at the bets, and you know I'll pretend to look at the results in a minute, just to kind of give him flavour what's happening. So oh, you know, Uncle X, you know, maybe check the uh, the Tottenham result. He looked at it, and and the thirty minutes that ensued from there about him ranting about Conte, about Tottenham was was some of the best. Con- I mean, again, some of the best content. I might sort of pitch him to a Tottenham podcast, but some of the best content you're likely to hear. But yeah, a very tactical and a very horrific uh, piece of, of play for me, but very enjoyable. It was nice. It was like that kind of the slow motion car crash scene in, in uh, Austin Powers, where he, you know, the guy's riding the, the, the what is it, like the lawnmower Steam, kind of thing. Steamroller. Steam, yeah. yeah, the steamroller. Yeah, and it kind of moving at like negative miles an hour and it's going to crash into the guy. That build up, the the pain in his voice, the Tottenham loss. Yeah, that was a, a very nice kind of Schadenfreude moment for me over the weekend and then capped off obviously with, with Chelsea performance. So yeah, very good weekend. And yeah, 
yeah, as always, very good to, to spend the uh, the time here uh, reflecting on, uh, you know, another final. It feels like we get to finals every year. You know, it's, it's the joys of being a Chelsea fan. So yeah, another final and hopefully it results in a in an FA Cup victory. This well, is, well, is Joe Tweeds the master of the dark arts of the London is Shit house. plus universe? Shithouse moment uh, of the match. I'll be honest with you. I, I, paint, I paint the exterior of being a very pleasant and very nice person, but I am I am the purveyor of expected bodies. I am, might be I might be the Sith Lord of the Chelsea universe. I'm not going to quite confirm that. But uh, yeah, me and, and, and Darth, I don't know, Darth Maul, probably on the same wavelength. So uh, yeah, you know, very much dark vibes energy coming from me. But uh, yeah, no, I, I, I really, I enjoy family members who's, who do not support Chelsea. I enjoy their pain. It energizes me. It makes me feel fantastic. So uh, yeah, no, it, it was a really, really good weekend based on that, but also the Chelsea victory as well. Speaking of pain, Craig Burley, uh, terrible pundit, former Chelsea Player. Oh, horrific and not even um, like really i mean that's like the loosest of connections not, yeah not not an important player uh came out today on air uh when it when it was brought up that thomas tuchel made second half tactical adjustments and that he was a tactical genius and said oh i don't let's that's out of hand i don't think we should be talking about that craig burley uh world's worst pundit you're out of hand you're out of order <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we like I said, we did not spend time on that on purpose because it is tragic. So anyways, I think it's six cup finals out of six for Thomas Tuchel in the 15 months he's been in charge. So uh, book the ticket headed to Wembley. So anyways, more content coming at you this week. Thank you so much for listening to us. Hope you'd enjoyed it. We'll be back post-Arsenal uh, for the men's view. But again, much more content in between. So until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.